0: Thank you for your presence today. The Bible tells us to trust in God and lean not to our own understanding, to acknowledge Him in all our ways, and He will direct our paths. Yet even as Christians, too often we think we can do what we want to do without praying to God for guidance and wisdom. Just like Samson, we break our vows and suffer the consequences of our godless decisions and actions. We miss out on blessings God has for us. Yet because He is God, His will ultimately prevails. You'll want to take notes, so have your Bible pen and paper handy. Judges chapter 14, verses
1: 1, 2, and 3. And there you will find these words in Judges chapter 14, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have Seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren, among all my people, that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? I want to preach part two. Samson, a judge who was chosen. And consecrated by God, but was negligent with his Nazarite vow. Samson, a judge who was chosen and consecrated by God, but was negligent with his Nazarite vow. Why must we not be unequally yoked with unbelievers? Just jot that down if you can as quickly as you can. Why must we not be un equally yoked with unbelievers. Well, it's clear from Holy Scripture because the Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 14 through 18, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with loneliness, and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial. You said, what is Belial? The devil and children of the devil. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This scripture tells us why we should not be unequally yoked. Why must we not be unequally yoked with unbelievers? Because number one, Christians must not marry unbelievers because the Bible instructs us not to. If I don't give you another reason, that's reason enough. If the Bible says don't do it, the Bible is authoritative word of God, then what? Don't do it. It is a non-negotiable. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 14a says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, pagans, those who are lost, those who know not the Lord. In other words, be mindful that when you violate this biblical principle, You bring trouble and heartache, despair, misery into your life that could last for years. If you violate this biblical principle, you are asking for a lifetime of trouble, my friend. Number two, we must not yoke ourselves up with unbelievers because Christian marriages have enough challenges of their own without going into a marriage thinking you can save your spouse. Your, your marriage, is hopefully it's a good marriage, but even good marriages, great marriages, have, they have challenges. They have issues, trials, calamities, uh, children issues, financial issues, health issues, all kinds of issues. And to compound the problem, you're going to marry somebody that is an unbeliever? 1 Corinthians seven sixteen says, For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Number three, we must not be yoked with an unbeliever because if one spouse has the mind of Christ and the other has a worldly mind, there will be strife, tension, tension, Arguments and division that's habitually and perpetual ongoing in the marriage. If one spouse has the mind of Christ and the other has a worldly mind, there will be constant strife, tension, arguments and division. Amos 3.3 3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Number four, there will be opposing viewpoints when it comes to child rearing. One parent will want the child to have a spiritual Christ-centered foundation, whereas the other parent may want the child to be a free thinker, open-minded, choose his own agenda, and choose his own gender, and, and not only choose his own gender, but even choose their own religion. A child may have a desire to be baptized after coming to Christ. One parent says yes, and the other says no, which causes conflict in the marriage. Number five, you should not marry unbelievers because one spouse may desire to lie, cheat, and steal, whereas a Christian spouse desires to live a life of integrity. So one wants to lie, cheat, on taxes, do all kinds of things. And the Christian spouse says, I want to be truthful. I want to be honest. I want to be a person, a, a wife, a husband of integrity. Why must we not marry unbelievers? Number six, one spouse will desire to tithe to the Lord and use biblical principles to govern their finances. Whereas the other spouse resents and despises giving to the Lord's church and prefers to spend all the money on themselves and the things of this world system. Therefore, you are wise indeed if you only date and marry a Christian. In other words, there is no such thing as missionary dating. In other words, you say, what is that? Well, I'm going to court them and I'm going to win them to Christ and they'll be all right after a while. That's missionary dating. No, 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 no missionary dating. Now you need, you're dating with the aim of winning them to Christ. You better know that, you know, you know, you are marrying a Christian up front. If they're not going to church, they, they have no proclivity to what spiritual things. They want to lie, cheat, steal, lay, and play. And then you say, but I still love him. Oh, to your own detriment. So no, no such thing as missionary dating. You're going to, you're going to win them to Christ at some point in that relationship. How do you know you're gonna save somebody? Matter of fact, you can't save anybody. You know, matter of fact, God has to save you. <laughs> okay, now let's, but, but I just wanted to say that because that's so critical, because so many have hooked up with the wrong person, and they are miserable. I said last week, and I said again, it is better to be happily single, <laughs> Than miserably married, okay? some a whole lot of folk who are married wish they had stayed single? Well, you should have slowed down. And so now, uh, trust God and let Him give you wisdom in the process. Now let's transition again. Words of wisdom for adults from the life of Samson. I, but I wanted to put that that New Testament account in because it's so uh, pertinent to where we are in this passage. So now words of wisdom for young adults and the entirety of the congregation. Do you not know um, the the most drastic mistakes? I've said this at some points in time. The most drastic mistakes are made between the ages of 15 and 25. Now, you, you, you people make some real doozy of mistakes when they get 35, 40, 50. Some folks get 80 and make some terrible mistakes. But I'm talking about right there between 15 and 25, that 10 year span. And let's Let's be frank. Do some of y'all, if you be honest, remember some of the mistakes you made? Between the, How many of y'all made some big mistakes between the ages of 15 and 25? Raise, your, raise them high so your, so your children can see them. How many of you wish you can get a whole lot of them back? You regret that to this day. Look, some of y'all got both hands up.
0: Life circumstances uniquely affect people differently, yet God's love, grace, and mercy are limitless. The good news is God's word is uniquely sufficient. He knows what to do in every situation. He made us and he knows us better than we know ourselves. The Bible tells us to trust Him, lean on Him, and to acknowledge Him, whether it's a success, a setback, or a failure, no matter what it is. God will order our steps when we depend on Him and Him alone to uniquely perform His good and perfect work within us. Listen as Pastor Rander continues. The young
1: adults, young folk, let me keep you out of a whole lot of trouble. Listen to this bald-headed black preacher. I got some news for for you from the word of God. Number one, your parents are a gift from God to you regardless of your age. (laughs) Your parents are a gift from God to you regardless of your age. Therefore you are wise indeed and will save yourself a whole lot of trouble if you would consult your parents' counsel when it comes to dating and marriage, and then allow the Lord to have the final word when it comes to seeking a spouse. Ask your parents, bring, uh, bring your date home. Now, Now, if you're 13, you'll not be bringing nobody home. Okay, let's start that, out. I'm 15, I'm in love. You can't spell love. Learn some geometry, some calculus. Learn how to read and write and learn how to think and talk. Talking about you in love, get over it. You're not making a living, you're not educated, you're still trying to find yourself, you can't pay for the food in the fridge, and you're talking about you in love. So so check in with your parents, bring them to church, let me check them out, I'm a good evaluator. Bring them to church, let me look at them, check them out. Because oftentimes your issues fall right back into your parents' lap. Somebody ought to be amen. Now look at, the, the scripture says in Judges fourteen a then his father and mother uh, said t- to Samson, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It is right for you to obey your parents. My mother can call me, my daddy can call me, and I will obey them even though I'm my age and even though I'm pastor of this church. I will obey them because they're still my parents and I am to honor them. Right, and your honoring them is not conditional. You to honor them because the Bible says so. Well, my dad is a drunkard. I didn't know way. I did. But my mama, you don't know how she is. She's just hard. Oh, no, listen. You still honor them, and you still respect them, and God will bless you for adhering to His word. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Those who, especially those in the Lord, but even pagan parents, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you. You're going to struggle if you abuse and misuse and give your parents heartache, that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Uh, Number two, stubborn and rebellious children who are set on having it their own way will face inevitable, destructive consequences. I repeat stubborn and rebellious children who are set in having it their own way will face inevitable, destructive consequences. Judges 14 chapter 14, three uh says, and Samson said to his father, even after the counsel of his parents, Get her for me. Judges 1420 says, and Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. Judges 151 and 2 B says, also says, after a while in, a, in the time of the wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat, and he said, Let me go into my wife into her room." But her father would not permit him to go in. And her her father said, I really thought you had thoroughly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to your companion. Children, Samson would not have lost his wife if he had obeyed his parents and married a woman from his own people. You know, it's tough when your best man takes your wife. Send the scripture, wow, your best man (laughs) takes you away. That makes for a good soap (laughs) opera, Number three, number three. And the third principle we want to consider is to live the successful Christian life, we must seek to please and glorify God and not seek our own personal gratification and self-pleasure. Samson was just, he was was dazed over with his eyes. He was carried away with his flesh. To live the successful Christian life, we must seek to please and glorify God and not seek our own personal gratification and self-pleasure. Say self-pleasure. The Bible says, if any man come after me, the gospel says, let him deny himself. It's not about you. Uh, uh, Self-pleasure. There it is, right? Self-pleasure. We have to guard against that, my friend, self-pleasure. So to live the Christian life, we must seek to please and glorify God and not seek our own personal gratification and self-pleasure. Judges 14.3c says, for she pleases me well. Underline that, don't rush through the scripture. For she pleases me well. You don't see him talking about as judge judge of Israel. Uh, he was consecrated to God with a Nazarite vow upon him. You, you, you didn't say he didn't. He's not saying I want a woman in my life that pleases God. He says she pleases me well. My friend in the Christian life, the first thing after you get saved, the first thing you need to reckon with is that it's not about you. It is not about you. It is about God's will for your life. God will not accomplish his will in your life while you're attempting to have it your way, for she pleases me well. Beloved, it is a dangerous thing when you put your pleasure above the will of God for your life. Write this down our personal pleasure is not God's priority. Our personal pleasure is not God's priority. And there are some Christians, they go from party to party, social event to social event. They go from Austin to Houston to Carpus, wherever the action is, that's where they are. uh, Saturdays uh, seem like Sundays and Sundays seem like Saturday to them. They don't deny themselves anything because it's all about their self-pleasure to their own detriment. Number four, refuse to become a slave to your own passions. Refuse to become a slave to your passions. If you fail to confront and conquer your fleshly appetites, if you fail to confront and conquer your temptations, sins, if you don't conquer your weaknesses, and all of us have them, you cannot reach your God-given potential in Christ, and you will end up destroying your life. That is so big, I need to reiterate it. Refuse to become slave to your passions. If you fail to confront and conquer your own fleshly appetites, the lust of the flesh, your temptations that, that comes at all of us, if you refuse to confront your sins and weaknesses, you cannot reach your god given potential for Christ and you will end up destroying your life. Samson yielded to temptation and was promiscuous because he lust, lusted after and went into a harlot who was another foreign woman. He was a womanizer. He had, women were, were his weakness. In Judges 16.1, it says, now Samson went to Gaza. He Not to pray. <laughs> it had been good, but he didn't do that. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot and went into her. In other words, he had sex with this prostitute. In other words, Samson was a judge. He was a judge. And leader of Israel, and yet he lived a promiscuous life rather than being an example before the people of Israel. And even though it is so normal today, the Bible still holds true, beloved, that premarital sex is a sin before God, which will bring on the chastening hand of God. My friend, you are on dangerous ground when you can sin right in the face of Almighty God so comfortably. Rebellion is to know what God's word says and defiantly violate it with no sense of conviction, grief, remorse, and repentance. I I reiterate, rebellion is to know what God's word says and defiantly violate it with no sense of conviction, grief, remorse, or repentance. Rebellion against God will always take us down. Say down. Samson went where he did not belong, and he went downward geographically and spiritually from there. You say, where is that? Look at Judges 14, chapter 14, verses 1, 5, 7, and 10. Judges 14, chapter 14, verses 1, 5, 7, and 10. Look look how he went down geographically, you know, the terrain-wise, topography-wise. Now, Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistine. Verse five, so Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Verse seven, then he went down and talked with the woman and she pleased Samson well. Verse 10, so his father went down to the woman. He had to go down there. And Samson gave a feast there for young men used to do so. Notice that as Samson went down geographically, even more, he was spiraling downward spiritually. Beloved, it is so sad when saints are in spiritual deterioration and don't have a clue that they have strayed away from God. It's a horrible thing when you are away from God, straight away from God, estranged from God, and you don't even have a clue. Number five, refuse to allow yourself to be deceived by smooth talking that tickles the ear and strokes the ego, which causes you to be led by your emotions rather than by the word of God. Refuse to allow yourself to be deceived by smooth talking that tickles the ear and strokes the ego which causes you to be led by your emotions rather than the word of god judges sixteen four says afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Look at all these women and listen when you're led by your feelings and your emotions. You are headed for big time trouble. Uh, Samson allowed Delilah. You know, I had, I had never met someone named Delilah until I was doing business on the phone, and I just happened to ask this young lady, uh, I said, What is your name? And she said, Delilah. Wow. I said, Boy, What was her parents thinking about? Maybe they just didn't know scripture and just thought the name sounded good. I would, I would name my child. If your child needs to name Delilah, you need to change that name. <laughs> Samson, Samson, Samson allowed Delilah to to manipulate him with deceptive and cunning words. She was the third, say third, she was the third Philistine woman he fell in love with. It's moving too fast. Some of y'all in trouble right now because you move too fast. As soon as the Philistines heard about his love for Delilah, They convinced her to try to find the source of his strength. She had a hidden agenda. And let me tell you something. These people come in your life, friends and so-called friends. They have agendas. Judges chapter 16, verse 15, a says, she said to him, here she goes with that voice. How can you say, I love you when your heart is not with me, Samson? Boy, they can get sweet. Samson was so self deceived in that he could not resist Delilah's charm. She took advantage of his deep seated weakness which was most effective in destroying him. It's amazing how Samson's deep love and infatuation with Delilah caused him to completely disregard his wisdom, discernment, commitment in preserving his Nazarite vow. He was separated and consecrated to God and it was the last of a lifetime and look how entangled he
0: is. please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas or call us at 210-821-5683.